Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Sure Foundation Church. So glad that you're with us this morning. Really excited about what the Spirit of the Lord is going to say this morning to encourage your heart, to lift your faith, to uh, cause uh, just your hope to spring forth with for what the Lord is doing for you. And we really want you to be encouraged. So just uh, get ready to receive what the Lord has for you this morning. Praise God. We're going to open up with the word of God. And I'm going to read for you a scripture out of the book of Mark, Mark chapter five. And uh, hallelujah, Mark chapter five. And this is really going to bless you this morning. Really excited about what the Lord is going to say and speak into the church. We're going to read this, this word and then we're going to go right into prayer, and then we're going to jump right into the word from there. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 5. Glory to God. Mark chapter 5 says, and they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him. No, not even with chains because they had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto the man, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was near into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out of the man, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, go home, tell your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. Hallelujah. Tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. Father, we thank you right now for your presence. Holy Spirit, we ask you to rise from the inside of us, sit on top of us. Holy Spirit, come upon us this morning that we might hear your word, that we might be encouraged, that we might be strengthened, that we might be enlightened, that we might be solidified in your truth. God, we thank you right now 
that it's your truth, Lord. It's us being intimate with your truth that will make us free. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we are intimate with your word this morning. We thank you, Father God, that we have come humbly but boldly to the throne of grace, and there is help for us this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that you are doing wonderful things, whereof we are glad. Lord, you have done marvelous things, whereof we are glad. We thank you, Father God, that we don't have all the words to even utter and, and speak of all the wonderful things that you're doing. And we praise and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are having your way. Lord, that your word has free course this morning. Lord, is there somebody that has, has joined us this morning that is in a dark place, that is in a low place? And Lord, you said that our times are in your hand, that you are very present in the time of trouble. Lord, I thank you that you are with us. Lord, that, that those who are feeling alone and, and in the dark and stuck and trapped, we thank you, Lord God, that they would begin to sense your presence right now. And we thank you, Lord God, that it's your truth, that it's us knowing your truth that has made us free. And now, Lord, behold the threatenings of the enemies, but grant unto your servant that with all boldness I might, make, I might uh, uh, lift up your voice to declare your word, making known the mystery of the gospel by stretching forth your hands to heal and that signs and wonders might be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you're in agreement with that prayer, then you can say amen. Hallelujah. We are going to continue last week's message. We were talking last week about the power of meditation and um, how the power of meditation is the power to see Jesus. And we want to take it a little deeper this morning. We want to go a little further, uh, but I'm just going to review a little bit uh, uh, very quickly what we discussed last week concerning the power of meditation. And I encourage you, you know, I hope that you had a good week in the word of God. Um, if you didn't have a good week in the word of God, there's no condemnation, but be encouraged and, 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 and know that the spirit of God is calling you and the spirit of God is drawing you near. And when you hear the spirit of God speaking to you, or when you sense the voice of God telling you to come aside and to open up the word, you know, the Bible says that the word is, is, the, is the perfect law of liberty. It's the perfect law of deliverance. You know, word of God talks about how, um, you know, how much, you know, the, how much uh, the Lord will, will light our candles just from opening up the word and spending time with God in his word. The word of God talks about how, um, you know, when we love the word, how the word has the power to convert our souls. You know, the word has, the word can do for you what you can't do for yourself. The word can do for me what I can't do for myself. You know, we thank God for all the resources and, you know, uh, therapy and medications. And, but there's things that, that, that those things that God has given us, they are a blessing, but they are finite. But the word is infinite. You know, the word is eternal. You know, God's word made everything. And so if God's word made everything, and that includes you and I, then when, when we're struggling, when we're broken, when we're down, when we just need to be fixed, we need to be encouraged. You know, when the Lord is trying to speak to us, you know, that's, that's going to be through the word of God. And that's how the word of God, that's how the Lord will, will, will speak to his people. And, 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 you know, the Lord will always speak comfortably to his people. He will, he'll, he'll, he'll always have a word of comfort. He'll have a word of inspiration, of exhortation, of strength. The, the, the Lord will always have a word of healing for you. And so it's important for us to run to the word and not away from the word. And last week we were talking about the meditation power of the word of God. Um, 
And we said that the, the power to meditate is really the power to see, to see Jesus in the word of God. And boy, I don't think it gets any better than that, than seeing Jesus. Um, so uh, we're going to jump right into the word. And I'm uh, just going to review real quickly. Last week, we said that what, what we, you know, we asked the question, what is meditation? And we went to Joshua chapter one and verse eight. And we talked about what meditation is from Joshua chapter one and eight. It says this book of the law, and it's talking about the word of God, this book of the law, this word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall find good success. And we define meditation as the, the, uh, the, the ability to contemplate. So to meditate is to contemplate, it's to, it's to think, it's to consider, but then it's to go even deeper. It's to think deeply. It's to, 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 to ponder something in your mind and in your heart and carefully over and over and over again and to turn it over and over and over again. And we gave you the illustration last week of you know, sitting with your legs crossed you know, in the grass or in the dirt and you have a big stone sitting in the dirt and to meditate on that stone would be to place the stone inside of you and to just stare at it and to ponder it and to cock your head to the side, look at it from this angle and then that angle, and then spin the rock around and look at it, you know, from a different, from a different angle and then turn your head and cock it to the side and, and continue to study and then turn that rock over and turn it the other way. And, and this, this is meditation. It's to contemplate, it's to think deeply and carefully, it's to turn something over and over and over again in your mind for a period of time and to do so in silence and without distraction. That's what meditation is. That's the English definition. And then we said that last week that here in Joshua chapter one and verse eight, uh, the word meditate is a Hebrew word, Hagah, which means to murmur. Um, and, and it implies murmuring in the sense of pondering something. So when you murmur, you're actually saying something out of your mouth. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a ponder. It's a, it's you taking the time to imagine something, but at the same time, you're muttering something out of your mouth. You're, you're, you're um, pondering it out of your mouth. We said that it means that you are, uh, uh, are uttering it out of your mouth. We said that it means to growl in the same sense that dogs sometimes growl when they are meditating on something and they're trying not to be distracted. When they growl like that, it's not always an intimidation. Sometimes when they growl like that, it's because they are completely focused in and dialed in and anything else um, that is, is coming to that dog at that minute, um, they're not focused on that. They're growling because they are meditating on some sound or something that has arrested their attention. We're talking about what, what meditation is. We're just kind of reviewing from last week. We said that meditation, according to Joshua chapter one and verse eight, um, meditation gives you the power to observe, to do according to all that is written in the word and to find good success. So, and when we gave you the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter six, you know, there's a scripture, Deuteronomy chapter six talks about how the Lord wants us to focus on the word like frontlets, you know, and I didn't get a chance to mention this last week, but in the Old Testament, um, as a reminder for the importance of the word and how God wanted to, to keep the word on the people's eyes and in their heart, you know, the people of God, they would wear um, this thing that would, it was like a, a strap and it would, it would, it would wrap around their head 
and then it was suspended and suspended was a little box. And in the little box represented the Ark of the Covenant, represented the presence of God. Um, and they were called frontlets. Um, or, uh, and there's another word, there's another word for it. Oh, and the word is slipping my mind right now. But the, the, the point is that this is how important it is for us to keep the word of God. You know, in the Old Testament, the Lord had all kinds of reminders. They have these, uh, these, uh, uh, these, these, these purse things that they would wear uh, on their right arm. It was like a, it looked like a purse. It was like a box with a with a strap on it. It was like a purse. But the reminder there was to carry the word of God with them wherever they went. You know, so God was trying to illustrate, even in the Old Testament, even before Christ had come, how important it was to hold the law, to hold the word of God before us in our mind all the time and to carry it. And we see in Joshua chapter one and verse eight that we're commanded to meditate the word day and night. Right. So there's no time. You know, if the sun is up, God wants us to be meditating the word. If the moon is up, God wants us to be meditating the word. That means all the time we're supposed to be in, in a meditation state. We're supposed to be contemplating. We're supposed to be murmuring deeply. We're supposed to be turning the word over and over again in our minds and in our hearts. And in doing so, we receive the power to observe the word of God to do the work. Then we said last week that the more you meditate God's word, the more it increases your appetite for God. And then it forges the blessing of God in your life. And we switched to Psalm chapter one, and we looked at verses one through three, where it says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, does he meditate? There it is again, day and night. And as a result, verse three says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. This is the power of meditation. The, the, the power of meditation is our meditation of the word. It causes our desire for Christ Jesus to increase. Now I'm going to say that again. Your meditation of the word of God causes your hunger and your thirst for the things of God to increase. And that is also to say, the more you meditate the word of God, the more you lose your taste for things that are not like God. Now, that is to say that the more that you spend time in God's presence, the more that God's presence becomes a source of, of, um, of, a source of strength, a source of of feeding, it becomes your source. And that, and, and but at the same time, anything else that could possibly have you begins to lose you. So now if before you started meditating the word, if you had a tendency to lean on a bottle or to lean on a drug or to lean on a person or to lean on a particular habit that may or may not seem destructive, the more you meditate God's word, the more your desire for those other things begins to wane and your desire for God begins to increase because you've been meditating the word. Meditation of the word causes your desire for Christ Jesus to increase. It says in Psalm chapter one, it says his delight is in the law of the Lord because in his law, he's been meditating day and night. That word delight in the Hebrews, it's um, a Hebrew word, hepis, and it means um, the more we meditate, something becomes a delight, it becomes delicious. It becomes something that is well-desired. It becomes something that you want greatly. 
that you got to have it. The more you spend time in God's word, the more you got to have God's word. The more you spend time in God's word, the more you, you, you love hearing the preaching of God's word. The more you love worshiping God in his presence because you've been spending time in his word. But, you know, what happens, the more you spend time in God's word is, you know, and we're going to, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you're actually, you're, you're learning God's presence. You're, you're, you're learning how to attach your spirit to the spirit of almighty God when you meditate God's word. And if you keep attaching yourself to the spirit of almighty God, then anything else that's not like God will begin to fall off you. It'll just begin to, you, you won't even have to push it off you. It'll just, it, it's just like, like, like oil is all over you. If you touch somebody that has oil all over them, they're kind of slippery, you know? Um, I, mean, I love boxing. I think I said this last week. I love boxing. You know, boxers a lot of times uh, because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a match. They're going to take some shots. A lot of boxers, they have grease that they wear on their face. You know, um, now if you're going to get punched in the face, you're going to get punched in the face. But that little bit of grease, it can help. It can help. It can, might help them to be able to slip a few shots as they're moving. You know, that coupled with the fact that they are all oiled up. You know, the, the illustration is that the more you spend time in God's word, meditating, then God will anoint you. Uh, and then when God anoints you, it causes trouble to slip off you. It causes, you know, uh, a fence to slide off you. It causes the work of the enemy, you know, it, 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 to be not effective, uh, to be a non-issue in your life because you've been meditating God's word. We're just reviewing from last week real quickly. And then we said in Psalm chapter 77, verse 12, um, I'm just going to read that real quick. We said that meditation changes the way in which you speak. That's according to said, uh, Psalm chapter 77, verse 12. So I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Hallelujah. That's Psalm chapter 77, verse 12. Your meditation of the word will make you begin to speak differently. It'll cause you to articulate yourself in a different way. It'll cause you to start talking like the Lord speaks. You know, we see that in the word of God. We see that, you know, uh, when, when, when the apostle uh, Paul, uh, Peter, when, when Jesus had been arrested and he was in that court being judged unjustly before um, a corrupt uh, court system and, and, you know, they were accusing Jesus. He had been arrested. The word of God says that Peter was out, out there and he, would, he, he could actually almost see Jesus, but he was scared to go in because they had arrested his master and he just had tried to warm himself by the fire and the people around the fire, you know, when they saw that they recognized him, they said, hey, you look like one of, the, one of those Jesus people. You know, he tried to deny it and the word of God says he had to deny it three times and curse for them to believe him because one of the people that accused him said, hey, you even sound like Jesus. And that's what happens. The more you meditate the word of God, you begin to sound like Jesus. You begin to speak like Jesus. You begin to think like Jesus. You know, everything about you uh, changes uh, the more you meditate God's word. So then Psalm chapter 119, we said that, you know, meta part of meditation is for you to converse silently, but not in solitude, because that, that's what allows you to see Jesus. And we said that in Psalms chapter 119, verse 15, it says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Hallelujah. Whew, this is powerful. Glory to God. We said last week that the power of meditation, it takes us from the one level 
in God's presence. It takes us, it takes us from the, you know, from the shallow to the to the deeper waters. The more we meditate, you meditate God's word. This word, the meditation of the word brings light and it brings our understanding. And it takes us from the shallow place lower and lower and gets us closer and closer to the source, gets us to where we need to be. You know, when you meditate God's word, it takes you from the outer court to the inner court into the holy of holies. That's the power of meditation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I want to take you over here um, to the book of Mark. And I just re read this a few moments ago. Mark chapter five. We can see in Mark chapter five, Jesus going into this um, the, on the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. Before all of this, the word of God says there was a great storm. And we, we preached this message over a month ago about um, how God wants you to receive his peace. And how the peace of God will make you calm even in the midst of a storm. Well, there was such a great storm that it scared the disciples and Jesus had to get up. He woke up from his sleep during in the midst of the storm and he spoke to the wind and the rain and he said, peace be still. Um, and I just want to encourage you. I'm giving you a little context here in Mark chapter five. The, you know, the reason that Jesus had to speak to that storm and command it to cease be still, to peace be still, is because there was a, there was a spiritual uh, darkness over that region that saw Jesus coming. And, um, and that spiritual wickedness started acting up. And that's what that storm was. And we know it was spiritual wickedness because that's what Jesus does. That's what the word does. The word rebukes spiritual wickedness and darkness. And, and um, you know, where God talks about how we wrestle not against flesh, or flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules of darkness and, and spiritual wickedness. Well, that's what the word does. The word will, will, will arrest these principalities and powers and, 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 and darkness and spiritual wickedness. And, and basically that's what happened. The storm rises, Jesus has to rebuke the storm. We know Jesus re rebukes principalities and powers because Jesus is not gonna rebuke himself. We know he wasn't the source of the storm. We know the father wasn't the, the source of the storm because Jesus is not gonna rebuke the father. So it was the enemy behind it. And why was the enemy behind it? We see it in Mark chapter five. In Mark chapter five, the Bible says they, in verse one, they come over to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gadarenes. And as soon as Jesus comes out of the ship, the word of God says immediately, out of nowhere, this crazy man, they, they called him the madman of, of, of the Gadarenes. You know, he was, the word of God says he was full of the, of the devil. You know, um, if you were to look at him, he's one of those people, you could tell there was something else going on in there. If you were to look into his eyes, he, the word of God says he was dangerous. The word of God says that he was so crazy that people didn't even try to help him anymore. Word of God says, and I'm, this you can read it for yourself in Mark chapter five, but we're going to look at it in the book of Luke as well. Word of God says that they tried to put chains on him and the chains didn't even work. Now, this is just one person, right? But the word of God says, as we keep on reading, Jesus talks to him and asked, you know, he's talking to the spirit that was binding this man. And the spirit reveals that its name is Legion because there were many of them. You know, then some theologians believe that there were like a couple of thousand. Some believe that there was more. A legion, I think, might be 10,000. Whatever the case is, Jesus, you know, he came to set this captive free. And I'm only saying this because I want to give you some context. Um, that's why that storm was trying to rock the boat and, and, and trying to drown the disciples and drown Jesus that night. He had to get up and rebuke the storm uh, was because there was a deliverance on the line. There was a there was, a, there was a spirit that had seized on that region that had taken control. We're still talking about the meditation power of the word of God 
and how the, the power to meditate is the power to see Jesus. But I just want to give you some context. So Jesus goes and he, he makes this man free. And, you know, this man rejoices. And, and, and we said in verse 19, Jesus tells him, hey, go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you, right? Now, if you go to the book of Luke chapter eight, we see the same account, okay? And the word of God says in Luke chapter eight, that after Jesus made this man free, he was no longer the madman. They saw him clothed and in his right mind. The word of God says that as scared as they was of the man, when Jesus made the man free, the people of that region, they were afraid of Jesus and they asked Jesus to leave. Now, if you think about that for a second, does that make sense? I think what that was, that was that spirit that was over that region. It was still influencing the people because the word of God says that they told Jesus, please depart out of our coast, please leave. Oh, it says it here in verse 17 too. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast because they were afraid. Verse 16 says, and they that saw it, told how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And then it says in verse 18, when Jesus came into the ship, the guy that was possessed with the devil prayed, hey, let me stay with you, Lord. And the Lord said, no, go to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord. He, the Lord was telling him, you can't preach with me, but I have another assignment for you. You go preach to your friends and tell them how good the Lord is. Look at how good God is. Now we're talking about the meditation power of the word of God. Word of God says in verse 20 here in Mark chapter five, and then Jesus departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great, the, oh, excuse me, um, the, the man departed and began to publish. He began to follow his assignment that Jesus gave in Decapolis, how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. And then it says, Jesus went back over by ship to the other side again. And here's where it gets interesting. It says that much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the sea and behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly saying, my Lord, my, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her and that, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. And here we go. We're talking about the meditation power of God. Verse 25 says, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Here we go. We're talking about the meditation power of the, the word of God. The power to meditate is the power to see Jesus. Verse 28 says, for she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Hallelujah. You know, and I was studying this out, and this word said in the Greek, it's the word lego. And what it means is that this woman has been saying out of constantly, it, you know, it, 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 it can be misleading because in verse 28, it says for she said, but, but really what this means is that the word this woman has been saying over and over again, if I just touch his garment, if I just touch his garment, if I just touch his garment, what was this woman doing? She was meditating. She was meditating the word. Now I want to back up for a second because the word of God says that there's a lot going on here. Jesus just frees this demonic man that was beyond demonic. He was, he was, he was uh, pervasive with, with, with the work of the enemy, all in his mind and all in his body to where everybody around him was a free. Jesus makes that man free. And as soon as he makes that man free, the people that were around got scared and said, Jesus, can you leave? 
So Jesus leaves and then he comes back to the, uh, to the other side of the sea. And now everybody has heard about what happened. So the people on the other side are thronging Jesus and they're just like, oh my God, hallelujah. They're praising God. They're, they're wanting him to heal him, heal him. And Jesus, you know, he goes to heal them all. Then Jairus comes and says, I have a daughter that's sick. Can you come heal my daughter? So now Jesus is on his way. So now Jesus is being thrown in a million different directions. Now, glory to God. You know, this is our God. Our God is omniscient. Our God, our God is omnipotent. You know, God is, we can pull God in a, a, in a countless number of directions as humanity. And we have, we do every day, but the Lord is not overwhelmed. Jesus is not overwhelmed. Even though Jesus is, is, in, a, is in a physical body, he's still being pulled in all these different directions. So he's being pulled to Jairus's daughter, but now on the way there, this woman with this blood disease comes. And I wanna break this up a little bit because I want you to see this a few different ways. So this is Mark chapter five. Now we're gonna go over here to Luke chapter eight. We're gonna see the same thing in Luke chapter eight, right around verse 40. But I want you, I wanna illustrate this point for you. Luke chapter eight, verse 40 says, and it came to pass that when, this is Luke's account, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him right? This is why it's good to compare scripture with scripture, because Mark missed that, you know, but it says here in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, came to pass when Jesus returned, people gladly received him, they were all waiting for him. Verse 41 says, and behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. So this was a man that had some authority, you know, Luke was a tentative, or, or Luke knew that about Jairus, and, and I'll tell you this, I think Jairus, I, I'm just using my imagination, I think Jairus felt like he was entitled because he was a ruler of the synagogue, you know, let me get to Jesus, you know, I know there's everybody pulling on him, but if I pull on him as the ruler of the synagogue, surely he's going to come to my house, because after all, I'm a ruler of the synagogue, and my daughter is about to die, right, but the word of God says that Jairus fell at Jesus's feet and besought him that he might come into his house, where it says he fell it down at Jesus' feet, that is meditation, okay, that's what meditation is, to meditate, to meditate is a humble gesture on our part, we said that it's to contemplate, it's to ponder, it's to mutter, it's to growl, it's to muse, it's to, it's to utter, it's to devise, it's to plot. Uh, there, is a hum there is a humility to, J to, to uh, our meditation. And there are a lot of different ways to meditate. You know, we can meditate as we worship the Lord, as we pray, as we just declare God's word under our breath while we're at work, walking down the hallway. You know, but Jairus is meditating. His meditation is he falls down at Jesus's feet and he keeps just, the word of God says he beseeches Jesus. Uh, he besought him that he would come into his house. He's begging Jesus. He's asking Jesus, oh, please, Jesus, come to my house. And then this is verse 42, Luke chapter eight, because he had only one daughter about 12 years of age and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. So Jesus is on his way but there's people everywhere. Everybody is pulling on Jesus at the same time. Now, there's something about this number 12. The word of God says that Jairus had his daughter who was sick. She was a young girl. She was 12 years of age. I have a daughter that just turned 15, right? Yes, my daughter Jordan, or 14. I'm sorry, baby girl, I know you're listening. I can't think of how old my daughter is right now, but I just can imagine 12 year, a 12-year-old 12 girl, the father is just beside himself concerned about her health, okay? Now, the Bible says in verse 43 that this woman with this blood is with this blood disease, her blood was hemorrhaging. And it says, this woman has an issue of blood 12 years. You know, to 12 
in the Bible, 12 is the number of divine government. It's the number of, uh, you know, there are 12 tribes, um, um, the 12 tribes of Israel, you know, there's, 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 there's 12 disciples, you know, here we see uh, 12, this, this daughter was 12 years of age, and this woman that had the issue of blood, she had been sick for 12 years. So now we know that Jesus' ministry began in the earth, his ministry began in the earth right around the age of 30, and we know that Jesus goes to the cross around age 33. So I don't know how old this woman with this blood disease was, but she wasn't as young as Jairus' daughter. She wasn't 12 years of age, because that's impossible, because then she would have been a baby back then. So let's say, uh, we don't know how old she was, but let's say she was about Jesus' age. You know, we don't know how old she was, but let's say she was about Jesus' age. That means, if she was about Jesus' age, that means she was around 30 years old at the time that she was getting ready to get her miracle. That means from the time that she was 18 years old, she had been dealing with this illness, this blood disease. Now, now the word of God says that in verse 43, she had spent all her living upon physicians, upon doctors, upon you know healers, upon all the medicine that she could get her hands on at that time, all the herbs. The word of God says it took this woman um, 12 years and spending all her living upon these physicians. Now, I don't know how long it took her to spend all her money, but this woman wasn't poor for it to take that long and for her to still be around. Even though she wasn't completely well, she wasn't completely poor. So, so here's my point is that we got a 12-year-old girl and we got a, a woman that's been sick for 12 years. I want to tell you, both of these matters were urgent. And this is the power of meditation because both these matters were urgent, you know, whether it's a, a situation where the, the, the little girl is 12 years old and she's dying right now, that's urgent. But then we got this woman that is maybe 30 years old, maybe older. She's been dying slowly for 12 years. They're both urgent matters. But look what happens. This is the power of meditation. Power of meditation is the power to see Jesus. We saw in Mark chapter five that the word of God said that this woman had been saying over and over again. She had been muttering. She had been pondering. She had been murmuring if I can just touch the hem of his garment. I wanna tell you that if she was 18 years old when she first got diagnosed with this blood disease, when she was 18, when she was 19, she was praying and asking the Lord to heal her. She was meditating. When she was 21, she was praying, asking the Lord to heal her. And, and the whole time, Jesus, the whole time, the word was in the earth, but it just wasn't time for her to receive her healing yet. But her day was gonna come. And then she was 26 years old, or however old she was. And then 27, her day hadn't come yet, but she's still meditating. You know, your meditation of the word is going to cause you to have a divine appointment with the word. There's a divine appointment. There's a divine time that is coming. And the more you meditate God's word, you're getting closer and closer. So if, if she was 18, when she was 20, she still wasn't well. She was spending her money. She was, she, you know, she, the word of God says she wasn't better. She was actually getting worse, but she was still around. She was still alive. And so because she was still alive, she was still meditating. And, the, the, and then she was 25 and then she's 26, she's 27. And now she's around Jesus age. If she was around that age, my point is that it's 12 years removed from the time that this whole thing started. And she, because she's been meditating and now she hears this news, there's whispers about this person, Jesus, that just went into the gatherings and caused that man that everybody knew was crazy, 
that he, you couldn't put chains on him and the chains wouldn't, would, you know, wouldn't last. He would break the chains, you know, you know, that she hears the news of that. She hears the, the news of him rebuking a storm. She hears the news that there was a big storm last night, a big uh, a hurricane in the, in, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in, in the sea. And all of a sudden, uh, everything went quiet real quick to where last night everybody was like, why did it go quiet so quick? And then somebody said, they think that man, Jesus, said something to the wind in the rain. This woman of God hears all of this and she's on her last bit of strength because she's been hemorrhaging. And I wanna tell you this too, this is how powerful the word of God is, is that this woman of God has been meditating. Not only is she broke, because the word of God says she has spent all her living upon physicians, but she's also socially outcast because if you were a person that had a blood disease and she did, she had an issue of blood, she was hemorrhaging, you know, according to Levitical law, that woman was considered unclean, which means she was also a social outcast. She was rejected by everybody. Nobody liked her. Everybody thought she was filthy and unclean and dirty, and they were all pushing her away. So on top of all her sickness and her hopelessness, seeming, seemingly hopelessness for the last 12 years, on top of all of that, she was also rejected by everybody, including her family. It was all her, all by herself. This woman had been rejected, and Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that not only did she need to be healed, of something physical in her body, she also needed to be healed of something in her emotions, in her heart, in her mind, because she had been an outcast by everybody all, the, all that long time. And look what Jesus does. It says in verse 44, uh, Luke chapter eight, that she came behind him and she touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, what are you talking about? The, there's a multitude of people around here. Everybody's pressing on you and pushing you. Why? What do you mean? Who touched me? Verse 46 says that Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. Somebody touched the glory. For I perceive that when that person touched me, they pulled something. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It says somebody had touched me. For I perceive that virtue is going out of me. What Jesus is saying is that somebody that wasn't just pressing and, and, you know, wanting me to, you know, wouldn't throw up, throwing up little fleeting, fleeting prayers, fleecing prayers, Lord, if you want to come by here, you know, somebody needs help, Lord, come by here. You know, this wasn't that kind of touch. This was a touch, Lord, I received. She basically took her miracle because she knew Jesus was the source of her miracle. She knew that, that Jesus wanted to heal her. And so she took it. And because Jesus says, for I perceive that virtue is going out of me. And I studied this word, touched me. This word, touched me means when Jesus says, uh, uh, when it says that the woman came behind him and touched the border of his garment, that word touch um, in the Greek, it means that she attached herself to the anointing. She attached herself. That's meditation. Meditation mur is murmuring. It's contemplating. It's thinking deeply. It's turning it over and over and over again in your heart and your, in your mind. And what it does is it lets you see Jesus. It lets you attach yourself to the glory of God. And that's what happened. This woman of God had been meditating. She said in herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And the word of God said she had to press through all that crowd. She had to press through all those people that were pressing Jesus, but they weren't pressing like him. She even had to press through the fact that Jesus was on his way to somebody else's miracle. He was on his way to Jairus's daughter, who was only 12 years old, and she was dying right now. That woman of God said, I, you know, I understand that Jesus is going somewhere else. He's got an appointment somewhere else. 
You know, she didn't know that this girl, this young girl was 12 years old and she was dying right now. All she knew was that she had, was dying slowly over the last 12 years. She had been dying slowly and getting worse and worse. And as far as she was concerned, her matter was just as urgent. I want to tell you right now that there is plenty anointing to go around. Hallelujah. You know, and, but it's the power of our meditation. The power of our meditation is the power for us to see Jesus. I want you to see one more scripture about meditation before we close this morning. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. Worthy are you, Lord. We thank and praise you. We glorify you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah. It says in Psalm, Psalm chapter, Psalm chapter 119 and verse 97. I'm going to read that for you as we close. It says, oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation all day long. We already said that day and night. God wants us to meditate the word day and night. There's another verse here um, that I want you to see. It's Psalm chapter 49 and verse three. And it says, my mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And there's one more verse I want to give you on meditation. Psalm chapter 104, verse 34. It says, my meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. That word sweet, it means that we can take pleasure in the word of God. That the word of God, as we meditate, it, it's, it's pleasing for us. It makes us rejoice when we inside when we're meditating God's word. If you meditate God's word, it will make you a happier person. It'll make you a more content person. It'll cause you, you know, the world will cause you, the world will say that you are a person that sees the glass half full and not half empty. Now, I want to tell you, when you meditate God's word, you begin to see Jesus. You know, you don't even see a half full glass. You see an overflowing glass of God's goodness and his mercy because you've been meditating God's word. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you right now for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for all of our listeners this morning. Lord, let their hearts be encouraged this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your favor, for your mercy. Lord, that you are with your people, Lord, that you are very present in the time of trouble. Lord, we thank you that your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting upon those that fear you and your righteousness to our seed's seed. We thank you, Lord God, that we are the sheep of your pasture. We thank you, Lord God, that you've already spoken comfortably unto your people, that you have uh, nothing but goodness and favor and blessing in store for us. And we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you are our meditation, that your word is our meditation. Glory to God. Our meditation of you is sweet. Hallelujah. If you're with us, stay with us. We're just going to worship the Lord.